Hello and a very warm welcome to the Body Shot Boxing Podcast. I'm Ronald McIntosh, boxing commentator for the BBC, and this episode comes from the most famous sporting landmark in the fighting city of Manchester. Not the Manchester Arena, where Ricky Hatton, Mike Tyson, Joe Calzaghe, Carl Froch, and a host of other boxers have been involved in some memorable fight nights down the years, but from Old Trafford, home to the Red Devils of Manchester United. The Theatre of Dreams was a stage on which Nigel Benn and Chris Eubank battled each other to a standstill in their epic rematch in 1993. But of course it's most famous for football and one of the greatest ever practitioners of his position is our exclusive special guest on this edition of the Body Shot Boxing Podcast. You know, you have to be incredibly fed to just to go one round. I've done boxing training. I mean, I've done all sorts of training, but that, that, that takes a biscuit. That is the hardest sport in the world. Peter Schmeichel is our special guest on this installment of the Body Shot Boxing Podcast, winner of the European Championships for Denmark and an instrumental figure in winning five Premier League titles, three FA Cups, a League Cup and the Champions League during eight incredibly successful years at Manchester United. But who knew that the imposing keeper with the heavyweight physique is a fervent fight fan? Peter Schmeichel shares his love of the sweet science exclusively with the Body Shot Boxing Podcast and begins our conversation by revealing his affinity with the noble art. Well, my, my father was always a big boxing fan. I think boxing was probably his preferred sport. Um, not having a big boxing scene in Denmark. I think the most popular time in professional boxing at least in Denmark was when I was here. So I didn't really have a lot, you know, of choice to, to or options to go to any of, of the professional boxing fights. But um, I started when I finished as a football, I started to work as a presenter and TV station I worked for was very active in the creation of the Super Six boxing tournament for the middleweighters some years back. Um, and the idea was sort of created because Michael Kessler was, he went from one promoter to, to Sauerland promotion and they wanted to sort of put him out there on a bigger stage. And that's how the idea came about. Uh, and I got heavily involved in that. And I was uh, doing the press conference when it was announced and I met all the boxers and, and we were doing all the fights and they sort of became massive events in, in, in broadcasting terms for me. And it was, you know, some of these events you really look forward to. It. It's taken off in Denmark. Boxing is incredibly big now in Denmark. But to be this close to that world, it's intriguing. It's a different world to any other world that I know of sport. Boxing is, is full of characters and, and strange, funny people. Uh, and the way a, a fight is sort of, you don't qualify for a fight, do you? <laughs> It's the way the way a fight comes about. It's so funny, and you know. And so, in my work of doing these um, event programs, running up to these uh, big, big fights, I, I, I kind of met a lot of fight, uh, fighters. Obviously, Michael Kessler was one of them. And then, when it was uh, Kessler Frotch one, I went to see Carl uh, Frotch in, in uh, Nottingham. I spent the whole day with him, which was a, re a revelation. I mean, what what a fantastic guy! What a what a super professional, not only as a boxer, but what a super professional uh, guy he is. He knows what it takes to sell tickets for, on pay-per-view. He knows, knows what it, sells, it takes to sell Carl Frotch 
and he's giving a hundred percent and I spend a day with him coming back thinking wow you could never ever get this in any other sport because you can't this is boxing and I'm as I say it's a very intriguing world it's a it's a fascinating world so I've done a lot of of these shows now and one of them was uh, Brian Nelson heavyweight fighter coming back after I can't remember how many years but a lot of years against Evander Holyfield so we spend time with Evander Holyfield and this is for me this is like one of the biggest sports personalities of the world and what a genuinely nice guy he is you know and he you know takes his time talking to you about him and his in particular he likes to talk about the air incident with Mike Tyson it's just you don't get that in other sports. You don't sit down with a football or a triple jumper or, and you get that kind of, and that's, that's what I really, really like about boxing. You talked about the fact you were working on the Carl Froch mikel Kessler one fight in Copenhagen, part of the Super Six tournament. Now the build-up for that fight was notable for the travel chaos that ensued because of the volcanic ash cloud. How did that affect you in your attempts to cover the broadcast? <laughs> I was in London, this, this was like the weekend before the fight. I was in London on the Friday and I was, uh, I was scheduled to go back on a flight Friday, uh, I think midday. And it, it got delayed by an hour and then another hour. And I realized, you know, that it, this, this flight was probably never going to happen. So I started to sort of make other plans. And the reason, the reason I, was, I was starting to make plans to go back on the Friday was that our sort of pre-programming started on the Sunday. So we had, the fight was the following Saturday. So we, we were, this was a very big show on a Sunday night where we'd introduce the pay-per-view and how, you know, it was just a very important night. We had Mikkel Kester coming to the studio. So, and it was all, everything was planned. And of course I needed to be there. I tried everything to get out of England. Honestly, everything, every combination you can imagine. Ferries from Newcastle, from Harwich, from Scotland, everywhere. Trains going to every major capital in, in, uh, in Europe to see if I could get a connecting train or hire a car. Everything was sold out. No chance. And I ended up having to go from London up to Coventry to, uh, to get a car of my son and then drive all the way back. And um, I had to cheat myself into the uh, tunnel train. You know, say, oh, I've ordered, I've got this. And no, no, you're not. And they looked away and I drove on. And, and no, it's just absolutely crazy. But I managed to get there in time, which was good for, for everyone. But it was, it had a bit of a big effect because Karl Freitz hadn't, he hadn't landed in Denmark by then. And it was a very, very big problem we had because, you know, you could have a major, major disaster if you put an airplane up there. But this is something which, you know, it's been built up for, for a long, long time and it was part of the Super Six. So it was scheduled within the tournament, a boxing tournament that no one's ever seen before. And it, you know, just to schedule the fights were a major problem. So you couldn't so say, oh, we'll do it next week. It's fascinating insight you've given us as to what you went through as a broadcaster on that fight and what the fighters had to endure as well, trying to arrive in Denmark ahead of that first encounter. But sitting here at Old Trafford, which is a bit of a building site, that's all the noise, by the way, lots of construction going on. But sitting here at Old Trafford, you had the privilege of performing here week in, week out for eight years in front of a capacity crowd. You've spoken of the atmosphere that gets generated during football matches, but that's shared among 
22 players and over 100 metres of pitch. How do you think that would have, what would that have been like if it was all concentrated on the centre circle? as it was for Ben Eubank too, 20 years ago. All of this atmosphere that's generated in the Theatre of Dreams focused on two men inside a boxing ring. Right. What if do you, you think that would have been like? If you did it now, you would have 75,000 people in the stands. You could have maybe another sort of 25,000 on the pitch. It would never happen, because no, they don't want anything on this pitch. But you could have 100,000 people in here watching this. And if you go back to that Eubank-Ben fight, both of them, would have relished that. They would have loved the attention. And I, I remember, you know, going back to that was, because there haven't been that many events on Old Trafford other than uh, football and then obviously a few rugby matches. Uh, so it was quite something to have that on the pitch. And Chris Viewbank, who is an incredible personality, and he personifies what I'm talking about when I say boxers got all these kind of characters. He was, he was big when I arrived. I arrived to Chris Eubank land, if you like. And to begin with, because it was so strange to see someone like that, with the arrogance and the, the self-confidence, not only in the way that he talked and the way, what he was saying, but the way that he dressed, the way that he walked. I'd never seen that before in my life. Never seen anyone take anything in sport to that kind of extreme. And I thought he was an idiot to begin with, you know? Who the hell did he think he is? But I kind of really warmed to him and I ended up loving him. I loved the whole idea of Chris Eubank. And, and, and what I think as well is that he kind of created a platform for other boxers to step onto, which has been very beneficial to boxing because it, it is what I'm talking about, these sort of personalities that that boxing creates. And sometimes you, you have to sort of think, yeah, I understand why they're like that, because once they're out there, they're on their own. You have, you have your corner man, you have your you know, guys, your little team in the corner, but you know, just, just that Kessler Frotch one fight. I was sat behind one of the referees and he had Kessler. So it was a convincing victory, right? Montoya, Kessler's coach, told Kessler, before the last round, mate, you're losing. You gotta go. You gotta go and knock him out. And if you can, you can have a watch back. I think that's one of the best 12 rounds I've ever seen in my life. They were absolutely going at each other, and we were sat there, Miguel, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? But I asked him afterwards, and he said, I had no idea where I was in that fight. Right. So my point is, you're on your own. You're out there, you're on your own. You have to create a persona for yourself. You have to create something which is not you. And in a, I think in a bizarre way, someone you can talk to, you know? Because I think it's like that. I actually think that Chris Eubank of Real has had conversations with Chris Eubank, the public person. I think so. Because you're on your own. You've got to have, and no, he was brilliant. It's, a, it's interesting you say that boxing is, is perhaps the ultimate individual sport, the ultimate individual pursuit. But you, I read that you said during your football career, when you competed, you elevated it to a matter of life and death once you crossed the white line. So how much, not wishing to be morbid, but for boxers where it obviously is a matter of life and death, once they step into the ring every time they fight, how much respect do you have uh, for those no, guys? I was in Berlin when 
uh, Arthur Abraham, he knocked out Jermaine Taylor. And I, I'm, I'm ringside. I'm literally the distance we are. That was horrible. And I thought for a second that he's never going to survive that. And unfortunately, we have seen uh, quite a lot of tragic uh, incidences in boxing. But that is the nature of that sport. You know, you have to be incredibly fit to just to go one round. I've done boxing training. I mean, I've done all sorts of training, but that, that, that takes a biscuit. That is the hardest sport in the world, the hardest training. They've literally put their life on the line every time they go out. Um, and of course, you have, to, you have to respect them. I mean, Kessler Frotch again, the way they went at each other. And I met Kessler the next day uh, on the way back to Copenhagen, by the way, on a, on a petrol station. And he was black and blue everywhere, and he was a winner. And he said, I'm going to be sore for about two weeks now, everywhere. And that's, that's what they have to endure. We don't have to. We, we, we use phrases like, we, we made it, you know, we made it a matter of life and death. But it's nothing to compare to, to boxing. Of course it is. Yeah, you can get hurt on a football pitch. Of course you can, but it's, it's never life and death. It's just something we say to uh, let people believe and understand how much we how important we think this is. But with boxing, it is a matter of life and death. And I respect them for that. I don't think I, I would ever have liked to have boxed. As I said, I've done some boxing training and just, you know, a little bit of sparring with a coach that doesn't hit your back really, but just sort of jabs at you. It's really, really scary. It is. I do, really do respect them for what they do. It's, it's really tough what they do. There's a school of thought in boxing that says despite all the experience you may have, despite all the training you've done for the fight you have coming up, that you can lose it between the locker room and the ring. To what extent can you relate to that? I know the sports are different, but to what extent can you relate to that in football? I, I, I kind of think it depends on what team you play for. If you play for Manchester United, you're only there because you, you are top of the pack. You, the best players, you're picked from the best players in the world. You know, to be the best player in the world is not how many, how many touches you can take on the ball, how quick you are. It's, it's very, very much about your mentality as well. So uh, you know what the requirements are. You have to go out and win. That's your mentality. You have to go out and win. And that's what you're focused on. And it doesn't matter if, you, if you're a little bit off, if you've got a little bit of flu, if, you know, if you, you're hurting somewhere. You still have to go out and do that. So the ability to dig deep, the ability to... Uh, to sort of put everything to one side and focus on 90 minutes. It's part of your talent. It's part of why you're picked for here. For here. So I, I wouldn't say that I've ever been in a situation where I've lost a game from walking from the dressing room and, you know, before I reach the pitch. I, I, might, I might sort of think that players who are not used to this kind of scene and this kind of pressure, and they, they, they might just be intimidated. But I can understand boxers you know, finding themselves in a situation where they, they'd rather turn around and, and walk, walk away from what's just going to happen in a second. Because it is a tough sport. It, it takes a very, very special person to, to, uh, to go into a ring and then, you know, try to hit the living daylight out of someone in front of you and, you know, that guy's trying to do the same to you. And afterwards you, you hug and make up and you're the best of friends. That, that for, for people who's never been in that situation, is kind of strange. It is, and I, you know, I've been ringside so many times, seeing it up close, and it still scares me. It really scares me, and it's frightening to watch. Uh, but it's also, at the same time, bizarrely enough, very, very impressive. 
all the qualities you just mentioned that you possessed and that Manchester United players have, have to possess. Digging deep, playing through niggles, no doubts, seeking for the victory. They sound to me like qualities that all boxers possess. Mm -hmm. And that combined with your physique, which was such a part of your armoury of a goalkeeper, six foot four, That's 230 to make pounds. It's what I'm saying. He's like a natural born heavyweight, man. So <laughs> how tempted, I, never I tempted. Can, I can tell you, I've, I've sat across, uh, across the table having lunch with Evander Holyfield. No way in this life or in the next life or in any life that I might live in the future am I going to be a heavyweight boxer. No way am I going to the ring against someone like Evander Holyfield. He was 48 years of age when he had this fight against Brian Nelson. And he came out, there wasn't an ounce of fat on him. He was still quick and he was strong and he was battering Brian Nelson, and he was black and blue by the way. No way, no way am I doing that. Can you imagine being up against someone like Mike Tyson? Can you imagine that? Whew. No. I let other guys do that. Someone like you. <laughs> well, given the association that you now have with boxing, working on it from a broadcast point of view, and as you say, you, if you were in charge of boxing, for a day, for a month. What dream matchup across any era would, you choose, any era, to, would oh. you choose to make? See, uh, mm, I would like to see Frazier against Ali. I've, live, I would love to see that. But I have to say, emotionally, I would very much like to see a fit Mikkel Kessler against Joe Kalsaki. Because when they had that fight in in, uh, in Cardiff, and I'm not making excuses, and Kes Mikkel doesn't do that himself, but he did fight with a broken hand, and I, I kind of think that's, that, that's difficult, to, uh, to, to fight someone as good and as ruthless as Joe Kalsa uh, Kalsaki, with uh, basically one arm. Um, but I would love to see that happen again, um, just to see if Mikkel was good enough with the very best maybe the best ever in that uh, weight. Miguel is a very, very good friend. Uh, it would make me extremely proud if he could measure himself with the very best in the world. That's just me. Well, that's just about it for this episode of the Body Shot Boxing Podcast. I'd like to offer a huge thank you to legendary goalkeeper Peter Schmeichel for taking part and for giving us his unique perspective on the sport of boxing. Remember, you can reach me on Twitter at Macintosh Ronald. Get in touch there or on my Facebook page. Either way, let's connect. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the program. But until next time, thanks for listening and be sure to stay abreast of social media for updates and information about the next episode of the Body Shot Boxing Podcast. Body Shot Boxing Podcast.